This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, you know, it's been over two years now since uh, the murders sort of rocked the community of Barry and Honey Sherman. Uh, we know their backstory, you know, philanthropists, uh, scions of uh, industry and what have you. But uh, this one continues to be a colossal mystery and uh, still no resolution. Nothing's been solved, although there is now uh, an update on that file. And Kevin Donovan, the chief investigative reporter with the Toronto Star, has been on this story from the get-go. As a matter of fact, he's penned a bestseller, The Billionaire Murders, and it's a fascinating read. Uh, he's joined the Oakley Show to tell us what the latest info is. Kevin, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on and the interest in the case. Well, always. It's fascinating. Uh, it's certainly transfixed uh, this city. But uh, what is the latest that you can share with us, as you've uh, heard anyway from the inspectors? Well, uh, on Wednesday, uh, December 13th, that's when the Shermans were last seen alive. And on uh, 2017 and on the Friday is when their bodies were discovered. And the police have never said when they died. I, some of my reporting has suggested it was the Wednesday night. But, but now this week we have confirmation from Inspector Hank Zinga of the uh, Toronto Homicide Squad that they died on the 13th. That's the Wednesday night. And so what this means is that since they were generally, we, we know that they were home by 9 p.m. that night, uh, that means that they died between 9 and 12 uh, midnight. Right. So it really uh, starts to uh, close the window of, uh, you know, what happened here, 9 till uh, midnight, somewhere in that three-hour window. How can they be that precise to know that, uh, certainly after all of this time? It refines the timeline, and uh, which, of course, uh, does reveal certain aspects. But uh, how are they uh, certain of that timeline? Well, that's a great question. I, I've certainly asked them that. They've said uh, only very generally that some investigative steps they took led them to that. I followed up and I said, is this a forensic thing? Have you somehow done some sort of a, I think of a television CSI where they find out when uh, somebody was killed? Uh, they, they say they can't reveal that. Um, I've also asked, is it possible that there's some other information they have uh, uh, you know, perhaps somebody told them something, uh, but they're just not biting on that. So to, to me, that's a, a big mystery. I was surprised that they they confirmed that, uh, but they've got something, and that certainly narrows uh, the time frame of, of, uh, of who could have done this. So uh, tell me how they might have focused in on it. Did they cross-reference emails and other communiques and things like that? I, I don't think it's that. They're so definite. I don't think it is. Uh, I can tell you that, that uh, Barry Sherman sent his last email that, that I'm aware of at 8.13 p.m. on the Wednesday night. He sent it from his desk computer at Apotex. He sent it to uh, a lawyer and uh, his then CEO uh, and somebody at the plant in India. It was just a very routine thing. And uh, what was strange to those people is that uh, there was some follow-up that night because these guys are always working around the clock. And, and Barry was known for being a nocturnal emailer, and, and they heard nothing from him. But So that gives us the 8.13 p.m., and then let's you know assume it took him a half an hour to get home, so he's home before 9. What I don't know is how they know the other end. How, how can they be so specific about this? Uh, and I've got all sorts of theories I'm pursuing, uh, but I've not been able to land on anything yet. Uh, it may simply be that they, they have some sort of forensic technique that uh, has told them that. I, I'm just stumped at how they wouldn't think, well, it could have been in the early hours of Thursday morning. Mm. 
yeah, uh, again, it's a very narrow window now, 9 till midnight. Uh, why do they shut it off at midnight and say nothing could have happened consequently, as you point out, uh, into early Thursday morning? Yeah, so that there's something, and I've always felt there are a couple of, of pieces of this that uh, when it came, when it comes down to the, to that time period between Wednesday and Friday that I don't know. I, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, related to that time period, and this, this one piece uh, alludes me. The, the other thing that we reported today in this story in the Star is, is just, uh, and this is sort of, I've, I found it quite sad, but just getting a hold of some of the emails between uh, the Shermans and a family member, just arranging, uh, talking about having a, it was Hanukkah, having a, a Hanukkah dinner. Uh, at one point, it was, it was thought that it might actually be on that Wednesday night, but that was changed. And uh, and the plan uh, set a couple of days uh, before the Wednesday, the plan was set for a Friday night Hanukkah dinner at one of the Sherman children's. And just, you know, reading this, I mean, you can't help but just feel so upset on behalf of the family that, uh, you know, they're, they're these just, you know, we all make emails, uh, have plans for things, and then and then to have something like this happen. Yeah, the idea, though, uh, again, if the family were planning something on a Wednesday night, as you say, and it sort of vacillated between the Tuesday and the Wednesday, and then scratch that, we'll do it Friday, uh, two points, uh, that may have precluded uh, any kind of harm because the family would have been present, I'm guessing, and secondly, on the uh, initial report of murder-suicide, uh, somebody who's maybe planning to take their life doesn't necessarily get into all kinds of long-range family planning or even in the near term, do they? Yes, and when I got, uh, Larry, when I got those emails, I, I, I put some other information I obtained. I understand why friends and fans, some family at least, were, were, were so upset uh, about this notion that it could have been a murder-suicide because they really did have a lot of plans, uh, uh, you know, for that uh, that week and for the the weekend. Uh, uh, Barry and Honey have very good friends in, in New York who were in town. Uh, there was a dinner set uh, on on the on the Sunday. Uh, this it does not make sense that anybody would have thought it was murder suicide. Uh, but you know that 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 was one of the the issues that the police were pursuing, and and then they got off that, and now. Uh, we're at a point where we're over two years into the investigation, and I, I feel that they're coming to a close, but they won't uh, confirm that to me. Any more information still coming in, to the best of your knowledge? Well, you may recall in December uh, when the police announced on behalf of the Sherman family that the Sherman family's private investigation was was concluded. The police then said, anybody who sent a tip into the private team, please resubmit them to us. I have to assume that some people have done that. There were over 300 tips that had come into the private team, and let's assume some have. I think that that it was a, out of the abundance of caution that, that the police said that. They want to make sure that they are never accused down the line of not reviewing every possible bit of information. Uh, I, I think, and I've been saying this for a while, that they're in a very much a review stage of, of this case, not not a, uh, I don't think they're out pounding the pavement right now uh, interviewing other people. I think that, that part of the job is done. Kevin Donovan, Chief Investigative Reporter with the Toronto Star on the Honey and Barry Sherman murders that continue to confound, but the latest info, as he's just related, is that uh, they seem to have winnowed it down to a timeline between 9 p.m. and midnight on that uh, Wednesday, uh, and then the bodies were found the Friday morning. Uh, 
What's interesting, too, uh, because you say that forensic sources have told you uh, it would be difficult to pinpoint a time of death uh, two days later, given that the bodies were found in a humid environment. So perhaps that timeline was ascertained beyond forensics then? That's what I think. I think that there's there's something that they know. Uh, I mean, I've even started asking people who knew Honey, did she wear uh, an Apple Watch? Did she wear a Fitbit? Things like that. I, I, I don't think she, she did. But they, they know something. They've got some piece of information that has allowed them to say this. And then I think one day we'll, we'll learn it. Uh, but uh, but, but they're, they're very certain of this. Uh, and, and so while but what's hard for me to understand is how, I understand how they get their arrival at the home, but how do they find out that they died? There's no cameras on the inside of the house, uh, but they've got some piece of information. Just to recap, uh, no security cameras on neighbors' homes or, you know, anything like that, everything, you know, because we're hearing... Again, whether these are urban legends that somehow uh, everything had been shut off in the neighborhood or, uh, you know, the Shermans were not working their security cameras or had never been operating. Uh, yeah, the, the Shermans have uh, had one security camera actually in the swimming pool room, and that's one that uh, when, the, when the kids were little uh, was used. Uh, this is a big house. It was used so you could keep tabs on, on kids in, in, in the pool and make sure they were safe. My understanding is that, camera had not worked for for many years so so it was known to not work as far as, as sherman's property they had no cameras there is a house uh at least at the time across the road and a little bit uh, down the lane that has a couple of cameras and those do show uh the sherman property so it's, it's indistinct i think certainly at nighttime it would be very very grainy uh and and there are other cameras around there uh but the police have also said um from the start that they had seized four terabytes of, uh, of uh, surveillance footage. Now, that's a lot. <laughs> that's hundreds and hundreds of hours. And, and I'm assuming uh, that that is from traffic cameras, uh, certainly from the Afro Apotex, which was Barry's company, which did have security. Uh, they have a lot of, of that sort of footage. And, and if you just think of how long it takes to watch, uh, um, you know, 10 movies. Well, this, I think, is like a thousand movies. So mm-hmm. so it, it's taking time to go through all this. I don't know if they're looking for something specific or if they're looking just to make sure they haven't missed anything. Kevin, what's the uh, real story behind uh, Honey's cell phone? Because uh, one report has it that, you know, uh, she was struck and the cell phone made its way uh, across the pool area into a powder room. Uh, confirm or deny? Yeah, well, her phone is actually found uh, upstairs uh, in a powder room at the front of the Sherman house, which her girlfriend, Honey's girlfriend, say she never used. Honey always came in the door on the east side of the house. Uh, It's right near where she parked her her SUV, and there's a a washroom right there. And and people who have come in with her many times, uh, normal course of life, said that's where Honey would, would go to use the washroom. So her her phone is actually found in a place she doesn't normally go, and uh, and that is quite a distance from the pool. To, to get from that powder room to the pool, you have to go down one of two staircases and then a, a long, long hallway through uh, uh, with the, the garage, the basement garage on one side and a sauna and some storage on the other side. Uh, it's quite a diff- distance from where that phone is. To, uh, to the pool. So what's the implication, that uh, somebody might have used the phone? 
Well, I think one of the one of the theories that, that I've certainly heard is that that Honey arrived home uh, was surprised by an individual or individuals, uh, and then and ran to get away, and that's where her phone was found. Uh, and then at the same time, I can tell you that Barry's uh, gloves, uh, Barry park, parked underground that day, his uh, winter gloves and a home inspection report he had promised to bring home. Uh, a hard copy from his office were found on the floor exactly where he would exit the garage. And that's in a hallway that leads uh, and terminates at at the pool room. And so my uh, speculation is is that uh, Honey came in and uh, was attacked, and then uh, the same people uh, or person attacked uh, Barry down in the basement. And what of the uh, fact that they were posed just like the sculptures that they had in uh, another room? Well, that, yeah, that was one of the, the, the strangest experiences I've had on, on what has been a very uh, unusual story, uh, seeing uh, these photographs that, that were taken uh, uh, part of a real estate shoot just prior to, to the murders. The house was for sale. Uh, the, the sculptures are male and female. They're, they, the Shermans had them for years. They were given to them by friends in the, in the 70s. And, uh, and like Barry uh, Sherman in the pool room, the male sculpture has one leg crossed over the other. Uh, so, and both of them are in a seated position, and the Shermans were in a seated position. I mean, that, that is, I mean, I'm, I want to be clear, I'm in the realm of speculation there, but when I saw it, it, to me, it was eerily similar to how I've heard the Sherman bodies were staged. Yeah, that's kind of a macabre note in all of this. Uh, it is, yeah. That's rife with the macabre. Kevin Donovan is a chief investigative reporter with the Toronto Star on this story, uh, and your spidey sense tells you they're close to a resolution. We're going to have to talk at that point for sure, but in the interim, if you want to be brought up to date, Kevin's got it all in his book, The Billionaire Murders. It's a bestseller and uh, a riveting read. Kevin, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.